0: Did you know that God revealed His ensuing 7,000-year calendar in the opening verses of Genesis chapter 1? Furthermore, the seven-day account of creation prophetically parallels each millennium of human history with such pinpoint precision that it defies human logic on every scale one can imagine. Join us now as we closely examine Yahweh's calendar, His words, signs, and orchestration of man's preordained timeline. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, good day, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night. Wherever it is and whatever time it is, I hope you're doing well. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, I would like to thank you for your time. I really believe this will be time well spent. Uh, We're going to be getting into what I am calling Yahweh's calendar of seven. Yahweh representing the Father, as as he is often called uh, in in the Old Testament Hebrew books. Uh, So when I say Yahweh's calendar of seven, it's the Father's calendar of seven. His words, signs, and orchestration of man's preordained timeline. Um, This is going to be what I would say is is going to be a very cool and, and interesting uh, broadcast. Um, why is it cool? Because we're going to look at the seven days of creation, those seven individual days and how they are a foreshadow laying out exactly what the seven individual 1000 millennium, uh, years will be. And we can bear this out historically, uh, for at least the first 6,000 years. Uh, so that's why I say it's cool. It's you know typical of the Lord. Um, you know, I've, I've seen these scriptures time and time again, and, and I know many people have. They see things and read things, and then boom, it's it's just this fresh revelation. So I, I really believe you're going to see some fresh revelation today. That's why I say you're going to enjoy yourself. And it just points to the beauty and the authenticity of the Word of God, which, on that note, I'm going to ask you, please hit the like and the subscribe button, uh, because it helps us get the information out there about just how incredibly accurate the Word of God is, uh, which is really what, you know, I I like to focus on, not only, you know, in in terms of the Bible, but also in terms of what we see, the geopolitical landscape, the science, technology, the economic landscapes of today, and how that lines up with the Word of God. And time and time again, uh, you know, God's Word is true, but what I do like to do is bring it in uh, from different perspectives. So that's why I'm asking to hit the like and subscribe button, because we're trying to engage people, trying to engage the thought process and, and approach people, you know, with, with a healthy deal of respect. If you're a skeptic, um, I, I, you know, there, there's there's respect here, because honestly, um, if God is real, uh, you know, the answer should be there. And we believe that, or I believe, and I know many here who listen believe that that God's word uh, it, it can be backed up uh, umpteen times over. And if, if, if that's a word. So on that note, um, you know, uh, we're, we're on the, also the various podcast platforms. If you could hit a like or a comment there, um, as well as the social media and, uh, um uh, Russic Outlook, you can get on our email list. So enough of that. Let, let's, let's get into this. Um, so we're going to put a special emphasis on the seven days of creation, but I need to set a couple of things up uh, in, in regards to the significance of the number seven. Uh, if you're a Christian or a Jewish person, you know about the number seven being a number of perfection um, and, and a, a, as laid out in the Bible. So uh, on that note, let's, let, let's, let's get into this. So I say here, if you're following me on video, the Lord always counts time in sevens. So we're going to talk about, as we, you know, as I said, we're gonna put an emphasis on the seven days of creation, uh, but there's something called Shemitah in, in, in Hebrew, which is the year of release, which is more widely known as the sabbatical year. Uh, the Shemitah falls this particular year in 57, it's the Jewish new year 5782, uh, which begins on September 7th, 2021. Why, uh, you know, it, it, is, is it different uh, when I say 5782? It's the lunar calendar, which is based on 360 days, not 365 as the uh, traditional Roman or Gregorian calendars that, that we're used to. So at any rate, I just wanted to emphasize that that's coming up, the uh, the, the year of release, the uh, the Shmeta, which is every seven years. So just as the Torah calls for Jews to work six days and rest on the seventh, it also calls for them to work the land for six days or six years and rest the seventh. So every seven years, this seventh year, they rest the land. And, you know, that's, that sounds like, you know, something you shouldn't do. And obviously most of the world doesn't do. But if you look at the prosperity of the land of Israel today how it's you know it was a desert and it's just blooming everywhere their their uh their progress and their um um i, I should say inventions or or patents on on uh water infiltration or water filtration i should say i'm sorry um, and and how they they work that and you know where you've got a, a an incredibly well developed prosperous land in the middle of the desert and and they've done this in less than seven, well a little over seventy years now uh, so that that's what they, well I'm, I'm like I say all of them but that's what a lot of Jewish people will do and this uh, can be seen in in the book of Leviticus. So there's also something that's called the year of Jubilee, which is after seven sevens. So there's 49 years, seven times seven. Then the 50th year is called the year of Jubilee, or also the, uh, it, it is Yavel. Uh In the Shemitah year, the seventh year, all debts are forgiven. Agricultural lands are open to uh, holdings to people to come and farm the land themselves or pick the, the food. There's no charge for them. So, uh, you know, whatever you can get on the land, it's, it's, it's really, it's a wonderful concept. It's a wonderful, uh, uh, command really from the Lord to, to the Jewish people to, um, to follow this rule that, that God has laid out and he laid it out in scripture in the very beginning. And, you know, he's applied that through everyday life. So I, that's why I say the Lord counts time in sevens. You've got, uh, a, a precedent here. I'm just giving you one of many examples but this is something that has proven to be incredibly uh, prosperous for the people who work this, the farmers and, and, and uh, the people in Israel. And, I, and I'm sure there are other people in other parts of the world who, who work this process as well. So from there, I want to talk about the thousand years, because ultimately what we're going to be working towards is the 7,000 years, believing that we're up to approximately 6,000 years um, today and, and you know you can base that as Jesus was came at the four thousandth year and it's two thousand years since Jesus. So I want to read Second Peter three eight because this is it, it's it's a foundation for where we're going to be going. Um, I'm going to read it from the top. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and the Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing following their own sinful desires. So a couple things there. He's he's saying that God lays it out to his prophets, his, his, his apostles. They speak it out, and I'm going to show you this in a couple of the Old Testament scriptures in a minute but this is always the case god speaks to the prophets the prophets then speak it out or write it out and then you wait for the fulfillment of that and we can see that time and time and time again throughout the uh, old testament into the new testament um you know you've got all the major prophets minor prophets and then you know you get into uh um uh, the new testament john the baptist the john in the book of revelation jesus was a prophet so this is all important and i just wanted to lay this out Side note about the scoffers, Uh, if you're living around today, you know, I'm personally overwhelmed by um, the, not overwhelmed, but in in a good way, that's not the right word, but I'm encouraged because I see so many people, so many churches now really investigating the scriptures, digging into prophecy, looking at and recognizing that the time is near, Uh, just as John in Revelation said, for the time is near, it is near, Um, and, and the signs are all around us. So there will be people who will scoff at you and will mock at you and and say that this has been going on for a long time. Um, But really, in, in, in essence, is what they're doing is you're believing in the word of God. They're not. They're rejecting the authority of the word of God. And I'm going to show you in a couple of minutes some things that are pretty astounding that will just back up the authenticity of the word of God. Jumping over to verse eight, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So this is specifically regarding time. So I, I needed to lay this foundation out. I'm going to say one more, say this one more time, but do not overlook this one fact. So Peter's saying it's a fact that with the Lord, One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And I'm going to point this out because we're going to lay out how God prophetically spoke the days of creation, and it will line up with the thousand years of each millennium uh, pertaining to each day. So that's why I needed to kind of lay that as a foundation. So let me jump now to the the book of Genesis. I want to start off with uh, Moses, who is believed to be the author of the book of Genesis, he is a prophet. Uh, and, and the reason I'm emphasizing that is because he's not often looked at, at that way. But by writing the book of Genesis and, and, and other things, he had a prophetic call on him. And why do I say that? Because let me look at Isaiah uh, 46, 9-10 for a second. Uh, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from my ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. So what I wanted to emphasize there is declaring the end from the beginning. And here you're going to see in the book of Genesis in the first chapter at the account of creation, he declares the end from the beginning in creation it's it's incredible it's and so that's why I wanted to lay this out and then I'm going to say point you to Amos three seven surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So there you have it. God reveals his plan to the servants, the prophets so the Lord is giving an account of how creation came to be, in in this instance. But He's also giving a prophetic call for the ensuing thousands of years to come. Let me start with the in the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis one one, God created the heavens and the earth. I just want to start there for a second. Side note: This does not equal the Big Bang. You know, I see Christians constantly trying to appease uh, evolution or appease. Um, you know, the, the, the culture of the day. Uh, the Big Bang says this explosion came out of nowhere, don't, can't understand, it can't understand where the energy came, and it somehow had this massive explosion, and all the planets and everything lined up exactly and precise, and uh, there was ad nauseum countless numbers of of, of uh, laws of physics and, and whatnot that just lined up to within a, a razor's edge to bring us the perfection of what we see. And yeah, I'm probably dripping a little bit of sarcasm, but I, my, my point here is it doesn't say there was a big bang here. It says nothing like that. It says, in the beginning, God created. So God created the heavens and the earth. That's a side note. doesn't really have to do with what I'm about to talk about, but I, I, I wanted to get that out there. So let me jump to the beginning. Uh, and, and if you're on video, I've highlighted these and I'm going to skim through them. I'll I'll, I'll bring them up to you as I go through each day as it pertains to the ensuing thousand years. Verse four, God saw that the light was good and he separated from the light from darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. So on the first day, he separated the light from darkness. So God made the vault and separated the water, uh, I'm sorry, God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And so it was, and so it was, so God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. So God separated the waters. The third day, land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. That was the third day. Vegetation came into be, seed came into be. The fourth day, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days and years. Let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. So the light came in the darkness and that's that's what was done on the fourth day. On the fifth day, so God created the great creatures of the sea, every living thing with which water teems and moves about, uh, about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So that was on the fifth day on the 6th day so God created man in his image and in the image God create he created them male and female he created them God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it so that was the 6th day man is created he gives them the commanding the instructions to fulfill the uh, uh to increase in number and fill the earth on the 7th day again to the bottom then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating all that he had done. So there are the seven days of creation. I've I, I picked this apart. This is in Genesis chapter one. The seventh day is, is the first couple of verses of uh, chapter two. So there you have it. That, that, I wanted to lay that foundation because now we're going to see how this ties into the ensuing thousands, thousand year millenniums, each one. So, God revealed his calendar in Genesis 1. As I said before, the seven days of creation prophetically parallel each millennium of human history. So, let's, let's think about that. We just read through Genesis. We just read the account of creation. What happened on the first day? On the first day, light was separated from darkness. It was the most significant event in man's 1,000 years. Well, consider that Adam and Eve's sin separated them from God's light. There was a spiritual separation. So just as there was separation of of, of light and in, in on the first day, there was a spiritual separation of light where sin was w- w- entered into the equation with man. Sin is equated with darkness. So you had that spiritual separation, just as day one you had that in that first thousand years with Adam and Eve. What happened on day two of creation? The waters were separated above and below. That's where you had the firmament, and that's where you had the waters below. What happened in the second 1,000-year millennium? The waters above and below were used in judgment in Noah's flood, and then they were separated again afterwards so just as i mean it just it falls exactly in line with what god created then you have that that second day of of the waters from above and below and the separation what happened on the third day of creation plants were yielding seed they were created to fill the world in the third millennium a promise was made to abraham that through his seed all of the nations of the earth will be blessed so just as day one, they planted the seeds, day on the third thousand years, God instructed Abraham to take that journey and gave him the land of Israel, and he made that promise. And, and, and you know, that, that famous scripture where, you know, your your seed will be as far as and the, the number of the stars that you see. So let me read you a couple things here uh, um, from Galatians, uh, if you're following me on video in the right-hand corner. Know that they who are of faith, these are the sons of Abraham. Uh, Galatians 3.7, 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So that seed that was planted is now uh, potentially a a seed producer, or uh, you're producing a harvest uh, from that seed that was planted in you. And if you are of Christ, then you are of Abraham's seeds, heirs according to the promise. So if you are listening to this or watching this, if you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower, a believer of Jesus, you are a seed from Abraham according to his promise. So the promises that were given to Abraham are given to you just as the plants were yielding seed to, created to fill the world. That was created for us to fill the world as well. So you, I, hopefully you see these these uh, parallels that are, that are coming exactly as the Lord laid out. So let me jump to day four. I love day four. Lights in the heavens were created. Uh, the prophets were given as lights to Israel, and Jesus became the light of the world. So the, as, as you had that light to separate the darkness, it is the same as Jesus. He came into the world on, day, on year 4000, uh, and, and he came in to shine the light in the darkness, and that's exactly what we're called to be. What happened on the fifth day? Living creatures were created. In the fifth millennium, new creations in Christ were created. Now remember, Jesus died, which concluded the 4,000th year. Then if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have been born again. You have, you're have you populating and inheriting the, your eternal life. I always love to use the equation, uh, or the example I should say, of the caterpillar that dies and literally comes to life oftentimes as this incredibly majestic, beautiful butterfly. There's, there's, that to me is the the quintessential example of what I see in nature of, of a Christian, because when you were, when beforehand you, you died and you, 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 surrendered yourself and your life and in that you had that freedom where you were born again and scripture sh- sh- tells us that we are new creations in Christ Jesus so just as the fifth day the living creatures we created and in the fifth millennium the new creations the new creatures uh in Christ Jesus this is something that was brand new that was not on the earth prior to those 4000 years Remember, you had man and woman, yes, but you did not have the new creation in Christ, w- which came in that fifth millennium. Oh, I just I, I marvel at that. Uh, and for those who, um, uh, you know, hopefully you're, you're you're over that whole born again thing. If if you're coming at this from a religious perspective, this is you know if if you've come to know. Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, just as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, you are born again. You are spiritually born again. That's what it means. It's not a religion. Um so for any traditional Protestant, Catholics, uh you know, etc. um that that that's what it means. It's it's you know, if you've accepted Jesus, then you've become born again. Um <clears throat> on the 6th day, what happened? Man was created to fill the earth and subdue it. In the sixth millennium, man has filled the earth and subdued it. When he what he commanded Adam and Eve to do in Genesis one, we did in the past one thousand years. Our, our population today is eight point one billion. The population in Jesus' day was two hundred million. So think about that in, 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 in the ensuing, especially this past thousand years. I don't have the exact breakdown, but this is when the population just took off. It, 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 it exploded. Um, and, and this is exactly what lined up with the sixth day of creation. And what happened in Genesis 128? And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So hopefully you see how you know each of these thousands of years are lining up exactly as the Lord cre- created things and he knew what was to come. He spoke the he spoke the end from the beginning. It's it just I, I just marvel at it. He's giving you how the beginning was created, but it is it also it's the parallel to what will happen in in the end, in the end of each thousand years. So let's obviously coming into day seven, Genesis 2, 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. So let me uh, re- read you something here. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the abyss. And, and this is, I'm sorry, this is uh, John in Revelation, holding in his right hand, a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan and bound him for a thousand years. This is the seventh day. This is the seventh, this is the seventh thousand year. This is not yet to come, but I believe we're right around the corner, right on the cusp of this. He threw them into the abyss, which is, uh, the, the, it's it's not hell as as we traditionally know it, but it's a Temporary hell, let's put it that way. I don't want to get into all of that now. He locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time, then he will eventually go into hell at the end of that. I saw thrones uh, which were seated on those who had been given authority to judge. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus because of the Word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or its image had not received the mark on their foreheads so this is the people who were around in a seven-year tribulation which could be sooner than we think um, and and so there's a seven years of, of, of travesty on the earth and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years so prophetically we, you know it's being spoken that those people who died who were martyred in those in that seven-year tribulation they came to life they reign with Christ for a thousand years. So there will be this 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 rest, this this period of a thousand years where you're going to have a complete makeover for yourself, your body, the earth, uh, and, and you're going to be living and reigning on the earth for a thousand years in the new millennium with Jesus Christ. So that, again, lines up with the seventh year. As God rested, you will be resting with God. I don't know about sleeping resting, but you'll have work to do, but... You know we'll be reigning and and living with Jesus in that last thousand years. So you know i I just marvel at the accuracy of of God and how He showed us that that you know what I consider this you know sometimes God gives you a nugget of wisdom. I you know I consider this to be just a giant diamond it's It's just incredible um and and I've read this scripture time and time again in Genesis and creation, and I just never saw it until recently. So I just wanted to give you something to to close to think about uh about declaring the end from the beginning and uh this is about Jesus's first miracle this is when his ministry began and many of you know that we're talking about the wedding feast where uh his mother um was was told that they were out of wine and she instructed his son her son to uh to basically supernaturally deliver uh, the wine that would be required so that they could carry on the wedding feast. Let me just say this. A traditional wedding feast is is seven days in in the Jewish culture. We will be in the marriage supper of the Lamb. This will be a seven years during the seven-year tribulation. Uh, Jesus' first sign in the beginning of his ministry is serving heaven's wine at a wedding. That's the very first thing he does. And why do I say heaven's wine? Because remember, uh, uh, the, the, the man said to him, you've saved the best wine, or you've, uh, uh, people would, would put the best wine up for first, and then they serve the lousy wine or the spoiled wine, however you want to call it. But he said, Jesus, you've done, you've done the opposite. So in the end, he is serving wine, heaven's wine at our wedding, which is the wedding feast, which he serves, saves the best for last. So if you're not familiar with this, let me re- just read this for you, John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was, and, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So he's there with his uh, apostles. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, just do it. There were six water pots of stone. I want to emphasize the six water pots because we've not yet begun the marriage. So just as you had the six days of creation, you had the 6,000 years, there's six water pots of stone. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them to the brim. He said to them, "Draw it out now, bear out it to the governor of the feast." And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had t- tasted the water that was made into wine, there was not once there what and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew it. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, "Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine." And when men have well drunk, they have, then they serve what's worse. But that kept the good wine until now. So, in other words, what Jesus gave them and what the miracle of heaven's wine was the best wine. And he saved it for last. He saved it for the end. This was the beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, of Galilee manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So this was the first miracle his disciples saw. And they saw him, uh, and, they, and they were witness to seeing the water going into the jar and that the, the wine was then uh, uh, supernaturally delivered from heaven. So that was the first. Now let me read Matthew 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. And he gave thanks, and he said to them, Drink all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which will be shed for many for the remission of sins. So everybody's pretty much familiar with this. This is a scripture often read when you're, when you're having communion. He's, he's sharing this now um, just before he's about to go into crucifixion. He knows this. He's laying everything out. But what does he close with here? For I say unto you I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So he's saying this is it. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to drink anymore the next time you see me and you're with me and we'll be drinking wine together, it will be the new wine in the marriage supper of the lamb which will be after the 6000 years just before that official millennium kicks off but we will be in that seven year uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. So I I, I I hope that I was able to get this across clearly that Jesus, you know, he makes this plain and clear, not only in these scriptures, but also going back to Genesis, how he speaks the end from the beginning. We see in an example here, his very first uh, uh, indoctrination into ministry, I'll say. And, and that's what he does. He serves the best wine for last. And, and I, I just marvel at it. I just marvel at, at the beauty, the vastness, the depth of the Word of God, how it, it just continues to breathe life. It's, it, it, it is the living Word of God. So I'd like to just, again, thank you for your time, you guys. Uh, I'm I just I'm so appreciative. I hope this information got across to you uh, and, and I was able to make it clear and plain um, because God is clear and plain. Uh, any questions comments as always please hit me up on russicoutlook at gmail.com uh, and prayer requests and you know a- a- anything that you have on your mind and you can always pass comments um, either on the website article, the postings the, or uh, the YouTube channel, etc. So this has been Mark Russ this has been this still is. This is Mark Russick. you've been listening to the Russic Outlook. as always, just my opinion.